My name is Jeremy. If I haven't met you, um, I'm the children's and family pastor, and every once in a while, I get the opportunity to come in here with the adults. And uh, I want to share with you this week a little bit of um, what God graciously put on my mind as I was studying um, his work on the cross. And if you're like me at all, um, you tend to really see this weekend of Easter as just a very sobering time. I mean, to consider what Christ went through, his accomplished work on the cross. And if you're like me, sometimes you leave it there. It's, it, it, it sometimes comes across as maybe a, a stoic obedience of Christ that we kind of just are beneficiaries of, right? Um, we just sang, how, how, how can I gain from your reward, right? It just, it's amazing, and it's good for us to do that. That's what we're here tonight, to reflect on the work of Christ. But I need to be taught to think more personally about what Christ's work means for me. And I'm hoping tonight that we can together um, look at a verse that really just highlights the joy of Christ. Um, I think sometimes that we celebrate the atoning work of Christ without considering the very heart of Christ in it. And so that is something that I need help with because I don't, I'm not one of those who just loves the, uh, you know, the, the personal, relational part of things. I'm not a chick flick kind of person. I like watching action or drama or suspense. And, and that relational part, sometimes I'm okay to just kind of leave aside. And I miss something because of that, especially when I consider the work of Christ on the cross. Um, one of the ways that I've been directed in that particular topic is um, Dane Ortland's new book, Gentle and Lowly. A uh, really great book that really looks beyond the work of Christ and looks at Christ's heart itself, right? Um, and he puts it this way. He says, we're not focusing centrally on what Christ has done. We are considering who he is. The two matters are bound up together and indeed interdependent. You might know that Christ died and rose again on your behalf to rinse you clean of all your sin. But do you know his deepest heart for you? Do you live with an awareness not only of his atoning work for your sinfulness, but also of his longing heart amid your sinfulness. And so God graciously directed me to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 and we're going to look at that verse. It's just a very simple verse. Um, it's within the context. The author here in Hebrews is um, really discussing um, an athlete's reward, right? His motivation for enduring. And we're going to really look at this verse and look at a very simple part of this verse. I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 just so that we get that context. But he has just gone through the hall of faith, right? All of the, the patriarchs, the prophets, those who were obedient and endured in their faith. And he says, now, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So endurance is that is that word there in that theme then he says looking to Jesus the founder and perfecter of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame 
and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, as I said, if, if you're a little like me, sometimes you tend to read this like, Jesus endured the cross. That's pretty much how I read this verse sometimes, and that's good. I, like, I'm, I mean, I am so grateful that he did that. That makes me glad, and, and that would be enough for me if I didn't realize what else there is to this. I would be grateful. I would be the beneficiary of everything that his work accomplished, and we want to walk through some of that a little bit because we want to reflect on what did his work accomplish. But in a sense, I would be glad. Now, you might think, oh, you might have noticed the glad. Have you ever watched the commercials for glad bags? I don't know if they even have them anymore now, but if you're old enough, you remember, like, the guy pulling trash bags out of the, out of the can, and, and what happens? The, the bag opens up and garbage goes everywhere, right? And it's in that commercial, it's kind of like that, don't get mad, get glad, right? And uh, so I was reviewing some of those, because gladness has something to do with our, 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 our message here tonight, but... I was reading some of those old commercials, and I came across a more recent one, and uh, it was the guy pulling a bag out of the trash can, and it stayed together, and it held. All the garbage stayed in, and he paused, and he kind of realized nothing happened, and his wife looks at him and says, do you need help? And he said, no, it's all, and he was going to say, good, the phrase, it's all good, right? We use that a lot. It's all good. Everything's good. Everything's the way it was supposed to be, Right? But he stops and he says, it's all glad. And so now everybody uses, in that commercial there, everybody started using the word glad instead of good. And so on this Good Friday, this verse kind of helps us just direct our thoughts on Friday being a glad day. Right? It's, it's what we say in Good Friday is that being good in the sense that the accomplished work of Christ is good for us. There's a reason for us to be glad about it, not just see it distantly or impersonally as good and as something that Jesus did as a, a, a great thing, right? But personally, it should give us gladness, joy in our hearts. And so when we say that looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, that's typically where we focus, enduring the cross. And this is good. First, look at that. And in fact, we want to review that, reflect on it tonight. What did his enduring the cross accomplish? It defeated darkness, right? Satisfied the wrath of God. Expiation and propitiation, that taking the guilt that was ours, right, and taking the wrath of God upon himself. He, he canceled demands of the law, redemption, um, or ransomed us. He provided a basis for justification and righteousness. These are all these things that immediately come to mind and I am grateful for. Those are the things that made me glad. But there's more to it, right? God's work, or Christ's work on the cross accomplished more for us. To what end? In other words, what is it that, that is pulling him or, or motivating him? It says that he, through his work on the cross, he demonstrated God's love for us, right? Substitution. And also, he brought us to God, reconciliation. And these things start, realize, we begin to realize that there's really that, that, that personal part of this that is beyond just Christ doing a good thing, 
It is Christ doing a good thing because his heart is for us. And so when we look at this verse and we realize that it's for the joy that was set before him, I wanted to spend just some time on that word joy. What does it mean? And what does it mean for us? How do we respond to this? And this is something I need because I need to just, just soak a little bit in that understanding that Christ, because of the joy, that joy for me, endured the cross. So this word joy, um, it's also used, um, I mean, throughout Scripture we see um, how Jesus, in his heart, he delighted, he rejoiced. Um, and so when we look at this in this verse, first of all, we realize that it was set before him, right? And it came from the Father. It says that Jesus, he, he had joy in doing the Father's will, right? He delighted in doing the will of the Father. And then also, um, some, every once in a while, it's great to just look up those little letters, right, that are in the verse that refer to another verse that has, like, the similar um, phrase. In Hebrews chapter 1, he references, and this is, remember, that the theme of Hebrews is that Jesus is better, right? And God is speaking of his son, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 8 and 9. And he says, but of the son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. That oil of gladness, this is a reference to Psalm 45. It's a wedding song. It's, um, it's a messianic psalm. And it's talking about anointing Christ with not just that position, but that heart, that, that, that motivation for his work in gladness. That's a strange thing, almost an odd phrase, right, to use that anointing with oil of gladness. And yet that is what Christ had, anointing of gladness. We see that in Isaiah 61 as well, this oil of gladness for the purpose of making us righteous, it says, oaks of righteousness. Okay, so that's his purpose in doing that. And what it does is it shows that joy or what is in his heart, because that's what the heart is, right? It's the seat of our, our desire, our motivation. And it shows Christ's longing. Longing for not just doing a good work, but longing for something specific, right? Part of this is that satisfaction and knowing that what his work will accomplish a rejoicing it says jesus rejoiced in spirit when he saw people understanding the father's will in luke 10 and then we start seeing that joy and how we see his desire in his heart what was his ultimate desire have you ever thought about that i mean we know that he wanted to obey the will of the father he speaks specifically of this in John 17, 24. It's a, it's a, it's a wonderful prayer to, to just be reading and understanding what his desire was, what was pushing him to the cross. And he says this. He says, I desire that they, my disciples, I desire that they be with me. And so we see that yes, he wanted to obey the Father's will. 
Yes, he saw the work that he was doing on the cross as perfect. Um, it was more than just a transaction, an exchange, right? It was, it was more than just a, um, just kind of what was necessary to do, because that's good in and of itself. But there was more to it. And again, Ortland in his book here, he says that Jesus doesn't just want us to be forgiven, right? That is good. That is what we focus a lot on. Jesus doesn't just want us to be forgiven. He wants us. And when we see that, that his joy was because we were made righteous and we were with him, right? When we see that, we recognize that, as Piper says, Jesus is the happiest person ever because he has made us righteous and our righteousness is his joy when you consider that i hope that it really affects your heart as we contemplate as we just take time to reflect on what christ has done let's not let's not leave our own joy our own righteousness that christ has won and the joy that he um, had in his work because of our righteousness. You see that everything that he has done and what we used to be just should, should help us recognize just how happy or full of joy Jesus really is. He sees where we were as enemies. He sees what he has done for us. He sees what he is doing in us. He sees where we will be, and that gives him great joy. Finally, in this verse here, it talks about we are to look to Jesus, right? The founder and perfecter of our faith, who for that joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he accomplished it, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. We also need to recognize that that joy that he has, that he experienced, is also a joy that we are to experience. It's a joy he shares, right? Even looking at that, that anointing with the oil of gladness, that is also a phrase that um, it refers to the Holy Spirit, right? The anointing of the Holy Spirit on believers. And it really ought to remind us that we should be, I mean, glad, right? Be glad for what we know Christ's death on the cross and his suffering did for us, what his enduring did for us. But we also should be considering what has is, what is God set before us? He's, he has not set before us what he has set before Christ, right? But in our daily responsibilities and seeking God's will and being obedient to it, what is he setting before you? And are you looking at it and enduring for the joy that is in it that he has set before you. There are um, so many things that we can be thankful for that we can kind of try to remind ourselves of, but are we ever just looking at things that are really hard sometimes, really difficult, and seeing that, I mean, think about this, that God set before Christ something that was going to give him joy, and it was death. If he was able to do that and to endure for that joy, 
how much more should we be able to endure the things that he has for us and have joy in them, right? When he sat down at the right hand of the Father, this is kind of a, a priestly picture, right? He had the joy of realizing that he had secured us. And this is another thing that should give us great gladness and joy. He had secured our future, so be glad, right? Be secure. He secured our future. He has secured our present. It's not just something that we should be grateful for for some future day where we can then reap the reward of that, right? Today, we are secure in what he has done. Christ loved his own all the way to the end. It says in John 13 that he loved them through death love them to the end and so this evening as you reflect contemplate and as you look into um, just expectantly Easter celebration right and what he did in his resurrection and accomplished through that we should be reflecting how sobering how just difficult how painful his suffering was on the cross we also so should recognize his joy in doing that, that it was for you. Not that you could be forgiven, but that you could be his. And I hope that you understand that tonight. I hope, I hope that you are his. I hope that during this Easter season, you've recognized that Christ, his work on the cross was to be obedient to the Father, but was to draw you to himself, right? to take upon the cross and upon himself our sin, the punishment for our sin, and to, as we said before, to provide a basis for our justification and righteousness. The Bible says, call on the name of the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. And it is on this that um, we can trust that what he says is true, that his work on the cross is finished. This evening, we're going to be reflecting as well through communion. We're going to do this this evening as a way to remember Christ's work on the cross. I want to read to you um, in 1 Corinthians 11. It talks about when Jesus and disciples were together and he instituted um, the Lord's Supper as a way for us, the church, to reflect often on this. He says in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So we're celebrating his death and for what that means for us. So this evening we're going to um, have communion together. The um, cups are up here and the um, bread is in the bottom cup. I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask you guys to line up, and there are a few other tables as well on the sides. 
and uh, take some time to reflect on Christ's love and his joy in enduring the cross for you. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, it is hard to fathom your love for us. It is something that we need to just bask in, take time to abide in, to reflect on, contemplate, meditate on, just to soak in, God, and to enjoy that, the, the rest, the assurance, the security that that gives us. God, the, an amazing creator God, all-powerful, would love us and demonstrate his love through Jesus Christ's death on the cross. I thank you, God, that you didn't just do a good work, but that you did a, a, an amazing, glad work, a, a work that is full of joy, the, a work that was specifically for our benefit, God, for your glory. And I pray, God, that tonight, as we worship, and as we contemplate with our hearts, God, what you have done for us, and in taking communion as we reflect on the work of Christ, on the cross, and as he shed his blood, God, and broke his body, I pray that these things would be a sweet aroma to you, pleasing to you, and that you would have great pleasure in that. Give us joy of heart, gladness of heart. Let us recognize our security in you, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen.